0: Welcome to the Darcel Andre podcast, where all sides of me live. Prepare for a turbulent flight through music, spirit, culture, tears, and poetry. If you think you have me figured out, you don't. <laughs> but it's cute that you thought you did. I wrote this poem called Ain't No Nothing for black boys ain't no room for black boys too big can't fit too skinny can't feel too calm can't dance too free can't be still ain't no room for black boys ain't no song for the black boys either Too loud, hush. Too quiet, I can't hear you. Too fast, where are you rushing to? Too slow, keep the pace. Too creative, sing it how it's supposed to go. Ain't no song for black boys. Ain't no love for black boys. Too touchy, ain't no hugging here. Too emotional, man up. Too proud. Look at what you ain't did. Too aware, ah, you too sensitive. Too detached, but you don't love us. Too alone, you scared to see us. Too sad you acting white. Too afraid. Stop being a punk. Too angry. Yes. Yes. Stay right there. Ain't no nothing. For black boys. I know I am only three episodes in. But I am certain that I have reached. My most difficult one. Nah, I'm not going to say difficult. I'm going to say. Perhaps. My most. Rawest. One. Never. In the 25 years. Years that I have lived. I know so long. In the 25 years that I have lived. Never have I seen the type of black boy I am with my experience represented anywhere. Never. Um, I hardly have ever seen black boys represented. And I want to make a clear distinction here. I'm not talking about black men, you see, because when we start talking about black and masculinity you know we bring in the patriarchy and all of that but I'm not talking about the black boys in their adult stages I'm talking about the black boys in their child stage and how black boys are not seen with the same kind eyes as others are seen with um I know for me growing up, um my body, you know, has always been thicker. I've always had a thicker body. Um and there wasn't ever anything that I could do about that. Uh <laughs> that's just it. However, never was I as a child like a chunky kid, you know. Um in the intro, you saw pictures or a picture of me as a as a child, but my thighs have always been thick, if you will now now, you know amongst society, everybody is here for the thickness, right they're like thick thighs save lives, thick this, thick that thick that however, that was not a accolade for me growing up. I remember that. Thickness showed up in school. I had to go to private school, um, or rather I was in private school, and um, being in private school, you have to wear uniforms. And so um, I recall always going to get my uniform and my mother whispering to the attendant, oh, he needs Husky. Now, granted, my mother was probably trying to save me from embarrassment, but it was the assumption that I would be embarrassed that is the issue. Um, I remember sitting in desk and my thighs taking up much of the desk, you know, the seat space and kids, you know, saying something and making jokes about that, you know, so I didn't have the privilege um, assigned to being a, thicker person as you do as you see now on social media and popular so much so that I remember um being probably 9 years old and uh two family members calling me into um the living room and asking me to lift up my shirt um because They had been noticing my stomach. And so I came in and I lifted up my shirt and they said, Ooh, you got a gut. Yeah, you sure enough going to have to play football because you got a gut. I can tell you exactly where I was standing, exactly what I was wearing, exactly what they were wearing, exactly who was there. I could tell you the year. I could tell you the exact day. In fact, I could tell you the hour that that occurred because that has stuck with me ever since. Making good on the promise. um, I was in football. And though I was excellent, I played fullback positions, um, middle linebacker positions. I was known for my speed um, and my quickness. And um, every time, every Saturday when it came time for games and it came time for weigh-in, I always managed to be one or two pounds overweight. Now, this had nothing to do with me actually being out of shape or me eating crazy or anything like that. It was simply how I was built, period. However, nobody seemed to understand that, and um, I was um, actually um, tired of every Saturday having to get up there and be weighed in front of my teammates and other teams and other coaches and everyone with a... um, anxiety, um, worried whether or not I was going to make weight, um, and the pressure of being good. So not only did I need to make weight to play, I needed to make weight for my team to win. And, um, that's a whole nother level of pressure. So as a way to do my best in my nine to 11 year old brain, I would go into the kitchen cabinets and take diet pills That belonged to my mother and my sister. And I would take laxatives. And I suddenly started to make weight. And I would run hours extra. I would run more laps um, in order to lose weight. To actually play a game that I did not want to play. But I did that. I did that for several years. And so every Saturday for those summers, I was met with the trauma of my body. And um, as I aged and got into um, middle school, I started to notice that there was a different um, attraction that my body was getting. And it was the fact that I was black in a predominantly white environment. And um, I remember the first sexual violation that occurred to me um, was, it was this white boy um, who, this is my first day at middle school. And this white boy tapped me on my shoulder while I was sitting in in, um, advisory class. And he said, look. And he showed me his erection in his pants that was shocking to me um, I didn't even know how to process that um, but it happened and I didn't speak to him for the rest of the day And throughout my middle school career, I found that there was a stigma about black boys and black men having large penises. And so every white boy was trying to show me their body um, to see what I would have to say about it. And I would normally disengage. I wouldn't even look or pay attention, but now you have that in my mind. Now, so not only do I physically have to be a certain build, but now my sexual organ has to be a certain size to be seen adequately, And as I've grown and aged and you hear the songs and the jokes about the men that are worthy and the men that are not worthy, it supports that same narrative. You see, black boys have that pressure on them as well um, to have to deal with hyper-sexualization at such a young age. And that was something that I I had to battle through. And then it did not occur to me until till last week um, that throughout my high school career I was frequently sexually harassed and violated by the girls at my school because of my hips and my thighs, my legs and my butt and without me even knowing them as friends, girls would come up and grab my butt or touch my butt and do these types of things to me and and would joke. And I remember walking and, you know, women telling me or girls telling me that, you know, um, oh, my God, or talking amongst themselves behind me and saying, oh, my God, like how he got more butt than me and he a boy, that's nasty, This da 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 and I'm like, again, what can I do about it? So, but it's different because now I'm under a different level of scrutiny. But you see, black boys are not taught to value their bodies. So, black boys are not given the tools to recognize violation, as would, you know, a girl being inappropriately touched by boys, you know, as that does happen, you know, and we, but that is documented and we are aware of that. You will find no documentation of um, even research being um, started, even interested in the sexual violations of black boys. But I experienced that all throughout my high school career, um, never knowing how to respond to that, even so much as um, graduating high school. And a girl that I went to school with um, invited me over because she had just got her apartment. Now, I had never expressed um, a sexual interest in this girl. Um, not, it was strictly platonic, Strictly. And so I drove over there to see her apartment. I'm like, oh, wow. Now, this is nice. This is a couple of years after high school. I think I was like 19. I said, oh, this is nice. No, I was, yeah, I was, I was 19, yes, because it happened the same year my father passed. So I was like, um, I drove over there to see her apartment. I said, oh, this is, this is nice or whatever. And um, I rung the doorbell, and she answered the door naked. Now, her character is very, like, ditzy and just, like, wild. So, I was like, girl, what is your problem? I'm sorry, I just got out of the shower. I said, put on some clothes. Now, mind you, where she lived is, like, 45 minutes from my house. So, I drove all the way over here, okay? So, girl, get it together. And so, when she did get it together, she put on clothes, whatever. And we sat down, we were talking, we were actually catching up. And then, um, I remember going to... The um, uh, oh, she needed to suddenly go to the chiropractor, and so I said, "Okay, yeah, you can go. You know, you go to chiropractor." She said, "You can ride with me." I said, "Oh, is it right up the street?" She said, "Yeah, okay." So I got in her car and we drove up there, and it was cool. She had the she had the the chiropractor appointment, and then it started to get strange. On our way out, she was messaging with her boyfriend and she told her boyfriend that she was with me and then she showed me her boyfriend's nude who is a white boy as well okay showed me his nude picture and asked me what i thought i'm like again i we don't even talk like this like i'm not even that I'm, i don't i don't do that that type of stuff so why are you showing me this? And then her boyfriend tells her that I should record their sex tape. And at this point, I'm like, I this conversation is so left field that I don't even know how I don't even know how to process what's happening. I'm just like, this is weird. I need to leave. So we got in the car, y'all. Her apartment was about ten minutes away. As soon as we get in the car and we're driving off, we leave the parking lot to get on the road. She puts her hand on my thigh and I move her hand I'm like, what are you doing? She puts her hand on my thighs again as she's driving. She puts her hand on my thigh and I move her hand. And then she says, "Darcell, stop acting like you don't want it. Excuse me? Stop acting like you don't want it. Darcel, you know, I've been trying to rape you since you were in, we were in high school. That's what she said. I'm only using that term because that's what she told me. And I literally froze because how do you process someone telling you that? that they've been wanting to sexually assault you since high school. How do you, what do you, how do you respond to that? And she kept trying to touch me and I kept pushing her hand off of me, but I'm, thinking, while, well, I just need to get home. I just need, excuse me, I need to get to her apartment because my bag and my keys is, is there so I can get in my car and go. And so this whole ride is her literally trying to touch me. Now, this is a white passing woman. What am I supposed to do? Attack her in the car and be the black man that attacked the white girl that gets shot by police officers? No. So I deal with it. Until we get there, and I get out the car, and we're we'll walking. She's trying to hold my hand, and everything. And I get into the house, and her room, our apartment. And the and her roommate answers the door, who is in a. She um, has a long shirt on. And she has no clothes underneath her long shirt. And I dart past her and I'm looking for my bag, going to get my bag. And the girl says, oh, um, so-and-so, this is Darcell. And he doesn't think we're going to fuck, but we're going to fuck. And I'm hearing this and I'm like, what the hell is happening here? And so I go and I'm looking for my bag and my bag is not where I left it. My bag is not where I left it. And so I ask her, I'm like, where is my bag? She proceeds to walk up on me and start to grab and fondle me, as does her friend. One in front of me, one behind me. And so I hulk out. And I scream and it looked like I'm getting ready to throw hands and terrorize everybody in there. I yell, where the fuck is my bag? She runs into her room and gets my bag out of her closet. This is the problem, y'all. She was with me and I left my bag on the couch. How did she know where her roommate had put my bag and my keys? This, my friend, is a setup. I've been set up because they just knew that this black boy was going to want to have a sexual encounter with them and that I was going to do it. They just knew that. And I left out of there, and on my way out, she slaps me on my ass. And so I got in the car, and I could not believe what had happened. And five out of the six people that I told that story to laughed. They thought that it was funny. They also said, oh, you had Two girls trying to get on you. Okay, okay. What? I even had people who were females, who were women, say to me, well, why were you over there? You knew she was crazy. Excuse me? Are you victim blaming me for this? And I couldn't help but to think that if I was a girl going to my male family members about two boys grabbing up on me and grabbing my butt, grabbing my private parts and slapping my butt and hiding my keys. I don't think anyone would have been laughing. But what I soon discovered is that the realities of sexual assault, sexual battery, sexual harassment, is not validated for black boys. It wasn't validated for me. And it took me processing and realizing what had happened and some good folks that helped me to realize that, that I knew that what had happened to me Wasn't right. Y'all it took me a week to even understand. That that was wrong. This is conditioning. So. Another way. For me to cope with my body. Was to grow my hair. So in high school I started growing my hair out. But in my junior year. My hair started to thin. At the front in the center and um, I kept growing my hair out I didn't care I did not care Um, but I soon well later on realized that I was using my hair as a shield because perhaps they would come up and touch my hair and not my body you know perhaps they'd be too amazed at my beautiful hair that they, they wouldn't have time to scrutinize my body But that didn't work Because my hair was definitely thinning And you know It didn't care about what I was trying to hide Conceal or whatever So when my father transitioned When I was 19 years old um, Actually the same year That that, um, uh, that, uh, that um, Situation had happened With that girl from school From my high school I cut my hair off and um, I said, okay, you know, it's so a weight off my shoulders, all right? You can deal with you, with, with your real you. But then my hair kept thinning, and I said, okay, I have to let this hair go. I have to cut it off. And when I was deciding to cut my hair off, I talked to a couple of women that were close to me, and I was met with fear. I was met with, oh, no, 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 don't do that. No, no, no. You don't have to do that yet. Like, what's the... You don't have to do that yet. What What the hell's the problem? It's, it's just hair. If, what is the, what is the issue? Again, people projecting their own fears and worries from them onto me because that didn't have no bearing on me. I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't care. Um, so I cut my hair off anyways. And, um, of course I struggled with the thought of me losing my hair because of what society had said. But at the end of the day, you know, I had to say that I'm still Darcell with or without my hair. And if I cannot be me, With hair or without hair, if I am not who I am, if I'm not as great, as talented, as wonderful, with hair, uh, or without hair as I was with hair, then there's something terribly wrong here. But you see, there's no love for black boys in their hair. You see, because I remember, and there's many black boys who share this same testimony, of seeing their mothers and their sisters and their aunts comment on their mixed cousins' hair, or their mixed or their light skin and, uh, and or Puerto Rican cousins' hair. Ooh, his hair is so pretty. Ooh, he got that good hair. What a. What about my hair, though? Why is his hair good hair, and my hair is? Oh, you don't comment on my hair being anything of value. So when I cut my hair off and I had people tell me that, you know, well, hair doesn't really matter to boys. No, no, no. It doesn't matter to you. You made it not matter for black boys. The first time my hair was cut off was because I was going to private school and I had braids, had long braids. I was going to private school and the principal said boys had to have short hair so they cut my hair off then didn't ask me anything because black boys are not supposed to have an opinion or have a sensitivity or an awareness of their physical selves and how they want to present because if they are dear god we're going to invent a word and say they're metrosexual are you kidding me what that like what what goes on in the mind? What goes on in the mind? That it is unnatural and a different thing for a boy or a man, a black boy or a black man to be attentive to his physical self because boys are not supposed to be that way? Insane. Insane. Another attack that I personally have experienced, as you see here, if you're watching the video form, I got my chest hair out. (laughs) I've always gotten comments from black women and I've heard comments from black women about, oh, your hair being, you know, taco meat. You got taco meat on your chest. And it was always a joke. This is Still, body shaming, y'all. Literally body shaming. You see, because the black boy's hair on his chest got to be taco meat. But the white man's hairy chest and hairy body, you know, he's a caveman. He's a, you know, this primal macho man. But we aren't considerate of those feelings because black boys aren't supposed to have feelings. But you see... Black boys who turn to black men that are envious, insecure, and colorist were also the black boys who were told by their mothers, Get your black ass over here. Get your nappy headed ass over here. Look at his black ass hiding in the dark. Get over here. Mm, You black just like your daddy. Get over here. These men were targeted as boys. We have to look at the genesis here. We have to look at how men are discussed, black boys are discussed as being um, uh, unhygienic okay, Uh, you know, don't know how to properly clean themselves and bathe and how that makes them, you know, less of a man in all of these things when, um, let's be clear, all the focus was put into teaching the girl how to bathe and take care of her body and her sexual or privacy, how to take care of that and clean that. Little time was spent on the black boy. So much so that we said, black boy, we're going to go ahead and circumcise you all together because it's a hygiene thing because we can't teach him how to appropriately clean his foreskin. It's not that you can't teach the black boy because a black boy was simply a child. And these men, these boys, you know, we're not taught how to bathe at 30. We're taught how to bathe at five and four. Okay. So if we don't know how to properly cleanse ourselves. Whose fault is that? What I am saying here. Is that as a short Black, bald, stocky, hairy, black man. Even the scripture says, train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. In my identity, in my expression, I have been taught that I am not welcome. And if I am welcome, I am not in the elite group. I am not high up on the pedestal. I have been taught to be hyper aware of every aspect of my being. And so for the black boys that grew up to black, to be black men, who are emotionally unavailable, who are insecure in their bodies, who are violent, who are abusive, who are misogynistic, who are colorist. If you trained up the child in the way that he should go, perhaps we shouldn't be angry at the child. Perhaps We should turn our energy to the person or people that trained him.